0: The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.
1: Drayton Valley is hoping to curb crime with cameras. The town set up, is set to set up, rather, they haven't done it yet. Nearly a dozen security cameras at intersections and public spaces for a special pilot project. And here to tell us all about it, Pharrell Wheeler, who is a counselor in Drayton Valley. Hi, counselor, how are you? Great, thanks. How are you? We are doing well. Can you take us into exactly how how all of this works with the security cameras?
2: Yeah, you bet. The uh, town council was hearing a lot of concerns from community members about trying to reduce crime and what we can do. And so as part of our 2019 budget, council did approve two more RCMP positions. But we also said we need to look at other ways, um, innovative ways that we can do to deter crime as well as hopefully reduce it. So we connected with TELUS and asked if they had any technology that would work in helping. And they said they'd love to look into that and help us create a smarter and safer kind of community. So we're beginning off with uh, yeah, just about 12 security cameras. They'll be on intersections and a few of our community spaces. And we're looking at kind of two different um, avenues. One is to gather data and information for the town. And the other is to be able to share information with the RCMP.
3: Councillor, how did we get to this point? Has there been a rise in sort of petty crime around the town? Or will you be looking at all avenues of crime, not just on the smaller scale?
2: Um, If the cameras are in a spot where something happens, we'll be using it for all scales. But our focus is definitely on kind of seeing what's going on and the analytics and then on the petty crime we're hoping eventually to get into community neighborhood watch type stuff like that but this is just
1: phase one what kind of response are you hearing from residents that that this is about the special pilot project
2: it's been really positive people are definitely tired of the crime that happens in the community and they want something to change and i think that because this has been a very um, upfront and transparent process, we're telling people where the cameras are and what's going on. Um, people are really excited and happy to see it come forward.
3: Are other residents concerned? Just feeling sort of like their privacy is being invaded and they, they can't walk around the streets of Drayton Valley without being watched? Is there that, is there that sentiment as well?
2: Uh, no, actually not that I've heard at all. So the traffic um locations are really for vehicles that are coming into the community and looking at traffic patterns and then there will be one at 50th and 50 at the center of our town but those won't be accessible for public people watching and there is no one sitting and watching any of these cameras that isn't the point the point is for analytics through computer programming coding and also said so if there's an incident we could go and pull up the footage so no, no, one, no one's sitting there watching anyone do anything.
1: On the topic of privacy, how, does the RCMP kind of have a constant stream to the footage, or, or is it something that they request? Um,
2: it's something that they request. It still works the same as anyone who has a security system in their home, that these cameras and the footage would technically be owned by the town, but it's just a, a very quick direct. The RCMP know we have them, and they can request, but it's all proper through FOIP and everything that they, they still have to request it from us.
3: Did you do any sort of consultation across the country? Do many other cities in Canada do this? Or is Drayton Valley sort of a pioneer with this and and leading the way?
2: Um, We've been asking around, but we can't find anyone that's doing specifically what we are. There's lots of smart communities. They're using technology um, in their communities to enhance their public works or different sectors. But in terms of actually a crime reduction, we haven't heard of anyone yet.
1: Was this kind of a, a call to action following people's demands for, for solutions to, to rural crime, which has been something on people's minds? Is this is this one step that could maybe be beneficial to other communities?
2: That's what we're hoping. With the pilot project, it's about six months is what we're looking at. And at the end, we'll examine the information that we did and look at what we were able to collect and if there was requests from the RCMP, what they were about and how it worked. Um, and then, yeah, and I'm sure us as well as Telus is hoping that this will be able to be replicated in other communities and help make everyone safe.
3: If things do go well over that six-month pilot project, counselor, is this something that yeah, it does go well? RCMP likes it. Telus is on board. They say yeah, we can keep doing this. Could this something? Could this be something that is eventually a permanent fixture in Drayton Valley?
2: Anything is possible. Yes, we haven't actually discussed. Um, In terms of the end of the six months, what a go forward would look like until we start getting some data. We're hoping to start by the end of September-ish. And so once we get things rolling, then hopefully we'll start making plans for the future. But yeah, I could see that happening.
1: So 10 cameras is like a fairly small amount right now. If it all goes well, do you foresee that being like like a camera on every intersection or, or not as widespread?
2: Um, No, it would not be anywhere near as widespread as that. Drayton Valley, for what we're looking at, especially from the analytics side, is our main entrance points in our 50th and 50th. We might expand it a little bit, but every street corner, definitely not.
3: What sort of numbers or what sort of things are the RCMP focusing on with this pilot project? What are they hoping to see or hoping to learn through this?
2: if there's going to be any patterns or if there's certain people that are using um potentially pathways in the community if they're through our parks that type of system there isn't enough cameras like you were saying before it kind of need to be on almost every street corner if you want to like literally track someone through the community but at least if they're showing up or if they're if they are on the cameras then we'll be able to kind of see what's
1: going on so counselor, can you take us back to how this all came to be? I mean, a partnership a partnership with TELUS, that's a fairly big company. That's very exciting. Did they approach you as as the pilot project or was it you guys reaching out to them?
2: Uh, we reached out to them. We've had a fabulous relationship with TELUS. They're great to, to work with. Um, Drayton Valley was one of the first communities in Canada that TELUS invested in for the pure fiber network upgrade. So we're one of the most connected, and especially being a, a smaller community and a little bit rural, we uh, have the opportunity to really advance some of the infrastructure and also to be a good test bed for new, safe projects. So,
1: Very exciting. Councillor, was there anything else that's happening in Drayton Valley that we should know about that's exciting coming down the pipe? <laughs> well, there are definitely a few
2: projects in the works, but uh, this is the one that's coming up right away and right now. So as everything else moves forward, we'll definitely keep you posted.
1: Very exciting, and we can't wait to hear about it. That is the voice of Fayrel Wheeler, Counselor in Drayton Valley. Thanks so much, Counselor. Morgan Black and Brad Whisker hanging out with you on this cloudy Monday afternoon. I'm always. I, I try, and we we can kind of see outside through the studio, and so I try to give us a semi-accurate forecast. It, but the window is tinted; it's it's difficult to say. So let's go with a cloudy Monday afternoon. Brad and I have been discussing what you wish your community had that it's currently lacking. But I also thought maybe I would open up the topic to to share. What you love about your community. What's the hidden gem? What would you never trade for a million years? Ernest inspired this because he says, I live in Beverly and I love it. Close to River Valley trails and fishing. Lots of parks and off-leash areas. Farmers market every Tuesday. A community sports team close to LRT. Like, Ernest loves Beverly. Close to Commonwealth Stadium, close to downtown, close to the Henday and the Yellowhead. Fire station nearby. Lots of restaurants. I'm picking cherries two blocks from home in the River Valley while listening to your show. Doesn't that sound lovely?
3: Yeah, exactly. It's just one of the benefits of uh, of living around downtown. It's there's just accessibility to everything.
1: I I love Ernest's passion for the community. That that brings great joy to my life. I almost think that Ernest is calling in currently to tell us that Beverly is good, but Ernest, we we know, we know how good it is. Now we're now we're all gonna have to move to Beverly. If you think that your community is the absolute best, I'd love to hear why you think so. Six thirty six thirty is the text line. We're gonna switch gears because this story has been going around today and it's it's kind of, it's weird. I, I didn't expect this to be the case, but an Ontario man says his life insurance application has been denied due to an anxiety disorder. And experts are saying, well, it's not, it's not uncommon, but it is worrisome. His name is Robert Pugh from Elmira, Ontario. He, he says he was denied life insurance because he had generalized anxiety disorder. Disability lawyer Sivan Timakarin, who's a founding partner of Sim- Simfru Timakarin LLP, joined our partners at 640 Toronto's Kelly Katara to talk about it. He explains how common these kinds of cases are.
0: Insurance, it could be home insurance, travel insurance. As soon as you start identifying certain pre-existing conditions, and anxiety is just one of the conditions, you can have depression and you can have a whole series of not just mental but physical types of illnesses and perhaps prior injuries, insurance companies are going to start assessing whether or not your premiums are going to be higher and whether or not they even want to insure you. Because remember, they're there. To make a profit for their shareholders so unfortunately it's very very common
1: and he says all this is due to a loophole in our system
0: when we're looking at whether or not insurance companies are even allowed to discriminate based on a disability remember discriminating based on a disability is prohibited by the human rights code in ontario but there are four insurance related defenses. And one of them deals with a distinction that apparently is reasonable and bona fide and based on a pre existing handicap, uh, which substantially increases the risk for insurance companies. So that's actually in the code. It's under Section 25, Sub 3, Sub A of the Human Rights Code in Ontario that gives that loophole, quote unquote, to insurance companies.
1: So, of course, now the question on your mind is what happens next? He offers his opinion.
0: We've been fighting very hard, not just disability lawyers, but uh, mental health practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists. We've been trying to show that there shouldn't be a stigma But insurance companies, again, motivated by profit. And I don't blame them because that's just the way their legal structure is structured. You know, they are doing what they're doing, not for the sake of stigmatizing this, but for the sake of making profit. The problem is that that drives people underground. It drives them not to disclose certain conditions and not to get treatments. We need to close the loophole in the human rights code that allows insurance companies to discriminate on this basis it's legislation you're talking about government appealing to government and this is the the ontario human rights code so you're talking about the provincial government and I, frankly i don't know how
1: much of an appetite you know this provincial government or any provincial government has to close a loophole. were you surprised to hear that brad that his his life insurance was denied because of generalized anxiety
3: disorder yeah to me it's ridiculous i deal with anxiety myself and i feel like i would just be <laughs> off the rails right now if something like that was denied because of something i quite Quite frankly, I can't control it. Right. I try to, as all people do with anxiety, you try to uh, medicate, you try to talk to people, you're talking to experts, you try to do as much as you can, but to be denied an insurance policy because of something like that compared to so many other things that I feel like would be more appropriate in that context, I feel like having something like that is just... It's such a, such a low move to me. It just seems unnecessary. I mean, why exclude those people? What is it about right. those people that makes you think they don't deserve a policy? Why? What's the real reason?
1: Yeah, they're, well, and okay, now I'm, this, is, this is something that I'm, I'm not 100% on, but would if he chose not to disclose that, would they ever know that that had not been the case?
3: I'm not sure. Because
1: it almost, it almost makes it feel like, okay, well, now go, moving forward, if you're someone who's applying for, for life insurance, you're like, well, I better not tell I wonder him. if
3: it's that company, though. I, I right, I if it's of course, just that, yeah. that company. And maybe, maybe there was a mistake made. Maybe something will come out in the coming days. But on the surface, the way it looks right now is they're really just not helping this guy out no. for something that so many people actively look to get and so many people already have. And it, it also begs the question for people out there who already have life insurance if they already do suffer from an anxiety disorder and whether they disclosed it or not and if they did and they got one then what the hell's the problem this time
1: right and then it calls into other questions about mental health like if you have similar or different like issues would would you again be denied i just don't i just don't think that's that's fair and i feel i mean i'm i'm looking at i'm looking at this poor man thinking he has a family he has a wife and then the wife the wife is accepted and he's not. And they're just kind of like, well, what, what do we do? Like this was kind of our game plan and now it's up in the air.
3: Yeah. It certainly throws your, your life into a a bit of a, a bit of a whirlwind now. I mean, of course he is going to be nervous going to other companies. And, uh, and as you mentioned, I'm sure he's juggling in his head. Do I disclose it or do I just move on and, and just assume that it's, it's not a big deal. And, uh, and I try to get this one way or another, but, if you go forward with it and you do admit it again and i think there is in a sense there's a pride factor you want to admit who you are as a person and the things you deal with so he doesn't want to feel like he has to pretend to be most of himself but not all of himself to get something as really as says life insurance
1: that's a, i feel like that's an incredible point that you just made because that's i mean we talk about the stigma and being like open, you can talk about it, this is part of who you are. It's, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, actually you disclose that and we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna cover you.
3: Yeah, I mean, that, and that's, that's, that's the reason that something like this always needs to be talked about is because these things happen. Imagine if he had gone into a, a place of employment looking for work and he had disclosed that and they said no, well, why? It, just because I have it doesn't mean, or just because he has it doesn't mean that he's going to be missing work you know six or seven times a month he's just saying hey if i have a bad day sometime i may not be able to make it in i'm going through some stuff right i'm just not feeling so hot i'll try to get better today and i hope to be back tomorrow which is it's just like it's like his life insurance policy he's just saying hey i deal with this it's not going to be the excuse that i eventually pass away one day it's just being up front and again giving this insurance company his full true self, which is what you should be doing when you're applying for a life insurance policy. You should be the most honest person possible. It's just, it's incredibly frustrating for me and not just because I deal with it with myself. I think that something like this, it just sounds, it sounds so harsh and so brutal for something as simple as an anxiety disorder that you don't get a life insurance policy.
1: I am very interested to see the level of backlash that this receives. And maybe as the disability lawyer discusses, it's a loophole in our system that needs to be addressed.